I didn't know the definition of patience until you have children. And it is an unrelenting emotion that has to linger in the back of your head 24 hours a day. I think it's the greatest value a parent can have is, is a patient parent, you know. Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddy. This week's The Art of Fatherhood podcast is being brought to you by RPACT. RPACT is the one app every parent needs to keep their children safe online. Whether surfing the internet, playing games online, or engaging with social media, RPACT is always there to protect your children even when you can't be. RPACT's mission is to assist parents in teaching children healthy digital habits and responsible, proper device use. RPACT is easy to use, easy to set up, and great for parents who are concerned about their children's excessive use of technology. Whether it's scheduling device-free time for the family, schoolwork, or simply helping kids take a break from the web, RPACT is the perfect solution to encourage a healthy balance between technology and personal interaction. From screen time allowance to specific app blocking, filtering out inappropriate websites, or even getting periodic screenshots from your child's devices, RPACT was built with a simple goal in mind, keeping your kids safe while they're online. RPACT even has a dynamic family locator tool that allows you to find your kids 24 hours a day review their location history, and even see the exact routes and stops they made on any given day. It all adds up to make RPAC the most comprehensive parental control and family locator app on the market. If you're considering buying a new device for your kids this holiday season, sign up for RPAC's 14-day free trial and pair your kid's new device before gifting it to help them create responsible device and screen time habits. For more information, and to download the RPACT app, go to their website at rpact.com slash artoffatherhood or find RPACT in your mobile device app store and start your 14-day free trial. What's going on, everyone? Art Eddie here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I'm very happy to have Scoop McNary. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me, sir. How you doing? Good, good, good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man. Looking forward to chatting with you about Lila Lila Crocodile. I got to preview the movie, and there were certain parts that I think – as I became a dad, and there's certain shows and movies that if I revisit, hit me in a different way. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about your fatherhood journey. When you found out you were going to be a dad, what was going through your mind, sir? Well, my first thought was, ah, I got this. No big deal. I got it. No big deal. And then the baby comes and you're like, I, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know what I was doing. I read a couple of books, but like none of those books cover any of this stuff. Um, you know, and it was about eight months to a year that I realized, all right, you know what, I'm flying by the seat of my pants here. I really just got to, you know, dig into my morals and, uh, you know, think about how, what my parents did and what they did wrong and try and do better. That's it. No doubt, man. Okay. Speaking with morals, man, talk about some of the values that you're looking to instill into them as they're growing up. To me, they seem like basic fundamentals. Love your neighbor, you know, treat other, other people the way you'd like to be treated. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. You know, always put others first, you know, and yourself second. Just basic things. Don't, if someone hits you, don't hit back, you know, unless you want to defend yourself. And, you know, a lot of those parent teacher teachings will change when they get to be teenagers. Like, wait a minute, dad, I thought you told me I'm not supposed to do that. Well, things are different now. You're older now. So, you know, this means something different. But, you know, just give them the foundations that, you know, don't judge other people until you can judge yourself and nobody's perfect. Just stuff like that, man. Just I sort of try to brainwash them in because I realized growing up that 
I was brainwashed into those things and they were incredibly beneficial for me, you know, as a person now that I'm, that I'm older, that I, those are some of the values that I do want to instill in, in my children. No doubt. Yeah. I think you raised a lot of great points, but one of the things too, you said like, you know, well, dad, I thought you didn't say this. Well, things kind of change and evolve, right? I think if you're at a, you know, if you have, if you're a parent of a toddler and you're at a park and someone pushes your kid off the swing and it's like, well, don't push them back. We'll just find another swing. We'll go down the slide. But as you get older, if you're a teenager and someone keeps on pushing you, well, you got to defend yourself and like make sure that they're not, that person's not doing harm to you or somebody else. So yeah, I love the fact that you got to just like parent, like just like parenting, as they get older, your kids, they have to evolve just as well, right? Totally. I mean, stealing is one of the things like stealing. It's not unacceptable. You can't do it up. When they get older, it's like, well, that person's homeless. So like stealing's a different they 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 need this thing and it's a different conversation at that point of like you get in trouble for stealing because you got the money to get it you, yeah. you know what i mean but these someone doesn't have anything they need to survive and so but they're too young to understand that right now but it's all those things that you you kind of every kid's different when they get to a different age they're different that it's just you know how it is man it's a constant learning curve <laughs> no doubt and i think right. the next the next go ahead i'm sorry go ahead Right when you figure something out, you're like, oh, I got this. I know how to do an eight-year-old. They turn nine. And then when the next one comes up and they're eight, they're like nothing like the last one. And you're like, I'm relearning how to do eight-year-old again. You know, I, One of my first articles on fatherhood was called Kids Are Like Velociraptors because they find the weakness in the fences after a while, right? So like you said, they keep on evolving. Nature finds a way or life finds a way. Um, talk, you know it seems like you're, you know, the certain things you're, the responses you're talking to me about your father journey, I feel like you're going to nail this one, but what is something that your kids have taught you either about yourself or about life that maybe you didn't know was there, but until you became a dad, then something kind of got clear. Patience. (laughs) I didn't know the definition of patience until you have children. And it is an unrelenting emotion that has to linger in the back of your head 24 hours a day. And when you're late and you have to be patient was like, cause it's only affecting you. If you get frustrated and try to put them into the thing, then they start screaming, they're crying. It's like, no, I got to listen to this 30 second story before I can put the seatbelt on. We're going to be 30 seconds late to preschool, but it's better than getting in an argument with your child over the seatbelt, you know, little things like that. I, I, and, and I've brought that into my personal life, into relationships, at work, like everything. It's just, just be patient, just be calm, go slow, be patient, you know, slow down. And so it, it is one thing that I've really learned and, and still struggle with it and still learning it. But I think it's the greatest value a parent can have is, is a patient parent, you know. No doubt. I think every dad and parent listening to this felt that answer right to their bones, man. <laughs> like It's so true. Like, oh, it yeah. is funny because we were talking about maybe the evolution of kids, right? So first it's like, just put on your shoes. We got to go. Just please put on your shoes. Then it's like, and like you become that stereotypical dad. Like, who's in this room? No one. Like, why are the lights on, right? <laughs> so it's all of those things where you're like, after a while, I'm like, I'm not making commotion. I'm just going to shut off the lights. They don't listen to me anyways. Whatever. Yeah. I'm shutting off the lights. And I know that I turn off the lights, it's- right? It's the one tone thing, too, that's like, <laughs> even when you're super stoked, you can't be like super excited. You got to be like, oh, that's, that's great. That's great, guys. It's really good. And when you're super pissed, 
you can't be super pissed. You gotta be like, all right, hey, now, like, uh, let's, you know, y'all heard me the first time. To, but if you go in any direction, you set these parameters for the kids that like, well, he's not screaming at the top of my lungs at me. So he's obviously not that mad, you know, or he's that it kind of merges this thing that keeps your emotions like accessible. Yeah, no doubt, yeah. man. And, and so another thing that could be accessible, especially for new dads, like, you know, we were mentioned before we started recording, like, this is a cool space for dads. And I appreciate you saying that. But for new, like, I get emails being like, oh, thanks so much. Because the question that I always ask that the, the new dads appreciate is like, is there a dad hack or piece of advice you'd offer to new dads? Patience, what we were talking about earlier, is definitely like the number one. But like, for me, like, I'll sometimes say like, restock the diaper bag or another one is like, when your kid falls, especially when they're learning to walk or if they're at a playground and they're toddlers, don't be like, oh, are you okay? Because then they're going to be like, okay, I guess I should start crying. Like, just kind of act like, hey, what's up, buddy? Yeah, good job, girl. You know, hey, what's going on? Like, you like if they fall, don't make it a big deal because then they'll get frightened. So do you have like a dad hack or a piece of advice for new dads? What would it be? Yeah, if I see my kids bombing the concrete hill on their bikes and skateboard, I'll scream at them. <laughs> but once they put a helmet on go for it i don't care if you drop in on a 10 foot half pipe as long as you got a helmet on i'm okay with my kids hurting themselves as long as i don't have to take them to the er yeah y you know as, as long as it's something that i can take care of at the house i think it's good you know i think it's good for the kids to explore that and, and, and figure out what their boundaries are and what you know what hurts them i mean you know girls are tougher than boys so, you know, it's when my daughter, she can hurt herself and it's like, are you okay? And it could be 10 times worse than she's acting. But with my son, you know, a, a branch will hit him and it's like someone hit him with a two by four. It's like, all right, buddy, come on, man. Like, are you okay? Cause I know you're okay, but I'll do this little dance with you. But my, my experience with him has been like, what happened? And he tries to tell you, you say, show me what happened. And once he gets into the, oh, I get to show you, the tears go away and now there's a performance happening. And I, like, it's, it's a way to like, you know, adjust his brain to somewhere else. He's like, and then I went like this and I went like this and, da -da -da -da, and then I found in my arm. You know, it's like, all right, all right, all right. So true, man. Yeah, great piece of advice. Like, yeah, well, no, show me what happened. Like, oh yeah, because toddlers love to perform. They love to yeah. make, even if they, even if they're like, they want to make sure like, well, dad's, I'm going to get dad's attention, right? And they'll do something. I'll just say, yeah, so well done, man. I'll even say that to him. Like, do you need a hug right now? Do you want some attention? Because <laughs> you don't have to throw your bowl of soup on the floor to get it. I'll give you attention right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> Love it. Thank you very much for sharing uh, your fatherhood journey. We're going to revisit that with the fatherhood quick five at the end. But I want to talk about Lyle, Lyle, Crocodile. Really enjoyed this film for many reasons. Like I kind of mentioned earlier, just about like when your dad you look at movies and shows differently, but this is a great family film. You play Mr. Prim. What appealed to you about this role? First off that I could do a movie that I could show my kids. A lot of the projects, I shouldn't say that every project I've ever done, I would never show my children. And so to talk about what dad does is one thing, but to actually show them what dad does is a totally different experience. I was able to bring them to set. They got to see Lyle. They got to see all the uh, uh, special effects. Um, and then on top of that, me and my partner were able to take them to, to the premiere. Um, and the trailer was running on television. I mean, the whole experience as a father was like euphoric.
you know, dad for a month was like some kind of king, you know, but my son would let me know. He'd be like, good morning, Mr. Poem. You know, <laughs> so he would kind of make fun of me a little bit for it, you know, but the whole experience of being able to show your kids what you're doing versus telling them what you're doing uh, was really awesome. And I'm really passionate about what I do. And I, I love this job and I love this business that, that to be able to share that passion with your kid is like a beautiful thing. And like any kid is wants to do what their mom and their dad does. They just, they just do up until a certain point. And so like, that was a really great experience for me, for my kids to really start asking questions about what did they do and stuff. And so like, it opened up a, a, a floodgate or a, it opened up a, a, a question, question and answer with my kids that was, I, I really enjoyed having with them. Love that, man. That is, that is fantastic. And just the idea, like I can hear the pride that you have in this role. And like you said, all your other roles are definitely for when they get older and checking it out. So I like that. How much is your parenting style in real life similar to Mr. Prim's? Kind of different. Like, I mean, here's the thing is I do freak out a lot and I am a worry, a worrier. Um, you know, I am a worrier. And so like that is definitely something that I brought to Mr. Prim is somebody who's just overly worried helicopter parent. You know, and like I said, I am that way to an extent. Once you put a helmet or some pads on the kids, I'm like, go for it. You know, it goes back to that thing that that he I am a warrior, but the things that are different for me and Mr. Prim is that, you know, I, I do like my kids to really push themselves and push their confidence and and push themselves as 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 kids. And I don't let them say I can't and I won't and I don't. You know what I mean? Those are negative words. But all in all, it's 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 not too far, but yet it's completely different than in regards to me as a parent uh, for Mr. Prim. But yet the similarities I would I would say that are, that I did bring was that he's a war, he's a worry bee. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. And also kind of you, you mentioned about like pushing them and giving them the confidence. I felt like one of the themes that is a great like I like when a movie, especially if it's a family movie, you can kind of at the end of the movie you talk about like, oh, what was your favorite part or who's your favorite character? But then like we talk about my family like the themes, like what we took away from it. Right. And in this one, when I was watching it, there, it felt like different characters were like different parenting styles to Lyle. One was like, you know, you have to perform with me. You have to perform with me. And then it was like, well, he's not ready for that. Like we shouldn't push him and you should be. And then there's a point where it's like, all right, we gave you enough rope and leeway to kind of find your own way. Like now we got to give you a nudge. So there's a part where it's like you're pushing them off the deep end and saying, hey, hope you swim. And the other one's like, hey, let's dip our toe in, right? And you get used to the water. And there's different, like you said, kids um, in, your, in your same household are going to be different. They're going to react to things differently. But I love how this film was just saying, like, you got to meet people in the middle to find their comfort zones. But you also have to push them out of their comfort zone. For you, what do you hope people will take away from this film? I mean, there's a lot of themes, but is there one theme that you hope that people will take away? confidence like building confidence in your kid is like <clears throat> is like i feel like as a parent a mandatory requirement um building confidence in kids gives kids the ability to speak up to speak their mind to try and say things that they're trying to figure out and put together in their head uh and when a kid has the strength and confidence to speak up and speak their minds they begin to learn things about themselves 
and they get a bit better understanding at a young age of, of really who they are. So this confidence in knowing, you know, what you're made of and what your limits are is what build you, your personality as, as a kid, you know? And so I just think it's so important to instill confidence in kids to give them a voice to speak. And if you give them a voice to speak, they will learn it on their own, yeah. you know, through trial and error. And we all know we don't remember our successes, but we remember our failures. Yep. And that's that, that you learn stuff from. So I encourage my kids to fail, fail. That's part of life. You got to fail because if they just succeed, they ain't going to learn anything. Spot on. When you said the word fail, it always takes me back now. My oldest, she's a freshman in high school, but her sixth grade middle school teacher said, does anybody know what fail means? And people were like, well, you're, you're unsuccessful. Like, no, fail means first attempt in learning. And that stuck with me. I love that. And I was just like, okay. And I don't, like I said to my kids, like, and, I, and they, they get great grades. And of course, someone like listening is like, of course you're going to say this because your kid gets good grades. But like, one of the things that struck me that my youngest, uh, my middle schooler got from her seventh grade science teacher was like, Jordan was a leader today. She not only helps, not, not even be vocal, but like she was helping someone that needed a little bit more encouragement, maybe not from a teacher, but from a, a fellow student. And I said to her, I was like, I got this note. So proud of you. I'm like, yeah, I'm happy about your grades. But the fact that what you're doing is, is, is really cool. And I said to them, like, even if you fail a test, if you learn from that, I'm happy. If you don't learn from that, keep on making mistakes, then we're going to have to talk and maybe like work things out. But like the first time, like I said, first uh, attempt in learning, man. I totally agree, man. We have to embrace our failures and make it because it, it makes us stronger. Yeah. And in and, and embracing your fail, failures, it doesn't mess with their confidence. Yep. Because there's going to be times where you're not around and you can't help them. And they're like, well, how would I get this? And it's like, I oh, mean, I remember one time I messed up, but I found I could work around. I looked at it from a different angle, different, you know, a different obstacle. Maybe they use the same type of logical reasoning and then they solve that problem, right? I mean, that's all we're trying to do is send them out into this world independent and able to care for themselves and make decisions of themselves. I mean, dude, if you do that, you succeeded yep. as a parent, you know, to, to, to get an independent child. It's And it's every kid's different, you know what I mean? Just because you don't succeed at it doesn't mean it's a failure as a parent. Every kid's different. Every parent's different. But I think we all, it'll give us peace of mind to know that our kids are out there in the world and they know how to survive it, you know? Well said. Two more questions before I finish off with the father of quick five. You know, you said that it was, I was so cool. That you got your, you know, brought your kids to the set that got to see Lyle and all that stuff. Some of the stuff obviously was CGI. What is your background in working in other films and shows and CGI? And how did you and like the great cast, the other great cast members kind of work around the CGI character of Lyle? Um, great question, by the way. This was, this wasn't one of those uh, avatar experiences. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like we had sets, everything there was real and attainable and tangible. And even Lyle was an actor in a black spandex suit. And the only thing they had on him was, you know, all the electronics and stuff for the, you know, mapping. But they put this belt around his waist to to simulate the width of him. You know, so that we when we were working with him, we didn't, you know, cross that threshold. And also this coat hanger thing around it uh, simulated his his snout. Yeah. And so that we can move out of the way of that. And and on top of that, Lyle didn't speak. 
So he didn't have lines. So there wasn't, it was more of us interacting, talking to him and around him, but not necessarily engaging with him as much. And so it, it was, it was, it wasn't that big of a hurdle, you know, um, it, it, and it was a huge benefit for us, the actors, to have an actual person there doing the thing for us to react to. Um, but I mean, like, it's the movie business, everything you do, and it's weird. And like, you kind of just don't question things, you know, when they're like, oh, you got to put this slime all over your left ear. For, and it's like, all right, just do it. You know, I don't know what it's for, but fine. <laughs> You know, but, um, <laughs> like stuff that like 20 years ago, you'd be like, wait, what? No, what is that? I, I, it. You know, now you just kind of let's roll with it. Whatever. What are we having for lunch? <laughs> Craft services. That's what like. Yeah. And can about. we take this brain stuff off my ear at lunchtime? Now you got to keep. OK, good to know. Can't hear you guys were dumpster diving for craft services, were you? Yeah. No, no. Those things got me a couple of times. I'm like, woof. Like, I don't know if I can, like, but I love that. Um, but also, too, you know, you just, you, just one more, like, before I go into my last question, something you mentioned, though, too, like, when you have a CGI character and someone's wearing, like, maybe, you know, the kind of outfit where you have to, like, you know, keep your eyes to and all that other stuff, those characters are talking back. Lyle's, besides singing, he doesn't talk. So that must even make it a little bit more tough, right? Yeah, that's that's what I mean, you know, and and thank God they didn't have me sing in the movie. So all those big dance numbers and stuff like that, I wasn't involved with. All I had to do was wrestle with them, which that was, was awesome. re relatively easy. You know, it, look, at the end of the day, let's just cut it to the chase. The guys in post had the hardest job on this film <laughs> and they put so much time and love and passion and effort into this thing. And it's all over the screen that the filmmakers, the producers and the post-production team are really the, they're really the heroes and the ones who did all the work on this thing. And it, and it, and it shows. No doubt, man. Um, and this is, this is kind of maybe a loaded question. I'm not looking maybe for your favorite role or this or that, but like looking at, you know, so far your great career and the different roles and shows and all that, is there one that to you means a little bit more just because of where you are in your career or you really wanted to get that role when you were like going through the audition and going through a read through and all that? I mean, there's a, I mean, dude, like a lot of shows. I mean, we could IMDB it and go through the whole thing, but I'm just saying like for you, like, what do you, is there one show like top of mind right now that you just like, yes, because like where you were in your career and how much maybe that role appeal to you? Um, yeah, I do have something. It doesn't really, um, relate to like where I'm at in my career or any of that stuff. I, I tend to do jobs and after a year or two, I kind of forget about them or that, that I did them. Um, not that I did them, but you know, they're not in the, well, as an actor, you got to probably focus on the next, right? You're kind of like onto the yeah, next. You kinda, right? You're kind of excited to get your head into a new space, you know, on this, the next project, or at least looking for the next project. This movie I just did called Fairyland really was memorable to me. And it's a memoir of Steve Abbott, um, a bisexual or gay poet in San Francisco during the late seventies or mid early seventies to the mid eighties. He's raising his daughter. He's a, he's a single father raising his daughter in the Castro in um, San Francisco right before the AIDS epidemic. This is Steve Abbott's story and his daughter's story. But for me personally, it was a love letter to my daughter. And so I haven't seen the movie. They're still cutting it now. But 
for me, it was really important and it was incredibly memorable. And it was this sort of feeling that like, God, man, if I, if something happened to me tomorrow, I at least have this film to, you know, if, if I passed away tomorrow, I at least have this film for my daughter to understand how deep a parent's love is for their child that I would never be able to verbally portray to her, but something that she would have. And this is, look, I'm making this all about me. The film is a beautiful story about Steve Abbott yeah. and his daughter and um, Alyssa Abbott with a beautiful story that the producers, Andrew Durham did an incredible job of even writing this script. But if you ask me personally, yeah, that's what personally attracted me to this story and the subject matter just what comes off the top of my head like when you when you ask gotcha all right we're gonna finish off with a father quick fire besides lyle lyle crocodile favorite family movie do you guys have one? Oh, geez what's our favorite family movie I'm trying to think of something that we just watch over and over and over what was that uh i mean for me for, for, yeah uh, national lampoon's christmas vacation nice uh, it's gotta be Favorite, a good choice right there. Favorite band or musician you can't wait to introduce your kids to is? Oh, geez, to introduce them to? Not like, not phys- like, like, not like, just show them their music. Sorry. Just like, hey, check out this this music. Oh, by far Led Zeppelin. And nice. we're, we're already into it. Nice. Perfect family vacation. Where would it be? Home. Nice. Is there a role or project you'd love to work on next? Yep the next one nice and lastly top three words you hope your kids would use to describe you as a dad what would you want them to be oh man um patient uh, loving and caring great three words right there Scoot, thank you so much for taking the time i wish you and your family continued success and i encourage people to check out lyle lyle crocodile a lot of great themes a lot of great family values in there but thanks again for the time sir Hey, man, thank you so much. And again, congratulations to you on this endeavor that you're on. I just think it's the coolest thing ever. And I, I wish you the best of luck with it. And, I, and I'd love to in the future to come back on the show. would love to have you, sir. Thanks again. Uh, take care. Yep. Bye. I want to take time to thank this week's sponsor, RPAC, for so many reasons. First and foremost, they're looking to help our kids stay safe, whether they're playing games online, social media, or just trying to create healthy digital habits, not just for kids, but for parents as well. We all know that kids will follow our lead, and if RPAC is helping us create safe and healthy digital habits, our kids will follow our lead as well. And RPAC, over the years, has been supporting the art of fatherhood. And please support the people who are supporting me. It would mean a lot. This organization is great. I'm very thankful for their time and efforts in promoting the Art of Fatherhood podcast. It means the world to me. So please, again, help the people that are helping me trying to create a positive message about fatherhood. And while you're online, please rate, subscribe, and review to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Check out the Art of Fatherhood website at artoffatherhood.net. You'll see the podcast. You'll see the Dad's Doing It Right columns, the collector of the week. I talk all things about pop culture, parenting tips, all that good stuff. Or feel free to just leave comments over at my website. I'd greatly appreciate it. But again, thanks to RPACT. Make sure you check them out at rpact.com. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to artoffatherhood.net.